Not all of us can be moms, obviously, but we all had one, and God has blessed us in amazing ways, and we're just honored to be able to be here today with you and share God's truth. That was really well done, and uh, I want to thank the boys in the band. I just happened to notice this morning when I was singing in the first song that all the guys up front were guys. It sounded better in my head. <laughs> it can be said without exaggeration that John and Charles Wesley's efforts, their evangelism, service to the poor and the hopeless, changed the world. It can also be said without exaggeration that who these great men were and all they did in their lives had everything to do with the extraordinary woman who raised them. Few human beings have influenced the world like Susanna Wesley did. The manner in which she taught her children greatly influenced her son John and the Methodist movement he founded that led to world-changing revival. More than 375 years after her death, we still sing her son Charles's song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. Despite tremendous trials, every single one of her children passionately embraced faith in God and lived out that faith to the end of their days. Anyone who believes that the life of a woman dedicated to her family is less than optimal cannot know her story. Despite poverty, illness, difficulty, heartbreak in endless form, she lost 9 out of 19 children in infancy. She used her intellect, creativity, time, and energy in such a way that it can hardly be reckoned. The world in which we live owes much to the goodness in her life. A story was taken from Eric Metaxa's book, Seven Women and the Secret of Their Greatness. A couple of months ago, I was listening to a radio program, and I heard him talk about this book, and I had to order it. When I did, I couldn't put it down. It's an incredible opportunity as he unpacks the details of some unbelievable women and how God used them in remarkable ways. Joan of Arc, Corrie ten Boone, Rosa Parks, Mother Teresa. Now, I know today's Mother's Day. But I don't want to just talk specifically to moms, but women in general. Not all of you are called to be or capable of being a mom, but every single one of you are called to be and capable of being the woman that God has designed you to be. We started last Sunday morning an Old Testament series, and we went back to the beginning of creation. And we saw the incredible value that God places on us as he created us in his image. Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So often our self-esteem comes from what others say about us or what they think we should be or even what we think we should be. Some, believe it or not, even find their value defined for them in Facebook instead of the good book that says we are fearfully and wonderfully made by the hands of God, created in His image. With every aspect of creation, when God said, let there be light, till the very end when all the animals were made, God said, this is good. But in chapter 2, He said, that's not good. Not good for man to be alone. It's not complete. I'm not finished yet. So God creates woman, and the master creator is done. John and Stacy Eldridge, in their book, one of my favorite captivating, said, Eve is not an afterthought. She's not a nice addition like an ornament on a tree. She is God's final finishing touch. She fills a place in this world that nothing and no one else can fill. Say it with me, ladies. I am the crowning moment of creation. Say it. 
I am the crowning moment of creation. Never, ever let anyone make you feel invaluable or less than special. You are a hand made by God himself. You are special. You are valuable, not just because you're a mom or even if you're a mom, but because you are a woman and capable of being the woman God designed you to be. Seriously, one amen. Did I not tell you last Sunday morning what I'm going to do next in my career? I'm going to an African-American church because I'm telling you, they help you preach. Amen that I'm going to an African-American church next or they help you preach? Just want to be sure. I'm listening. Kind of, I listened to one on the way in on Sunday mornings. I'm telling you, you just want, I want to finish my career in one of those churches. A woman named Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 seemed to believe, believe it or not, seemed to believe that her value was connected to whether or not she could have a child. And sadly, that inability to have a child clouded her whole outlook on life. Her despair was so great she couldn't recognize all the other unbelievable things around her. She became bitter. She wouldn't eat. She cried all the time. Had an impact on her marriage. Her husband came to her one day and said, Aren't I more valuable than ten sons? Your value is not based on how many children you have or even if you can have children, but who you are in Christ and how he can use you in the lives of the people around you. Naomi in the book of Ruth, book found right before Samuel, felt like God's hand had gone out against her. She says it that way in Ruth chapter 1 verse 13. I feel like God's hand has gone out against me because she lost her husband and her sons, which is incredibly difficult to understand. But now, sadly enough, it seemed as if she felt she had no future, none at all. What she didn't see is that one day her daughter-in-law, Ruth, would be in the bloodline of Jesus. So often we look at our life and our circumstances through my right now grid, as opposed to what God did, is doing, or can do. I cannot answer your why can't I find a guy question. I cannot answer your why can't I have children question. I can't answer your question, what do I do now that I'm a widow? Naomi seemed to feel that she had lost her value because she lost her husband. Face it, ladies, that's not true at all. Most of you, to be really honest with you, are going to outlive us. Because you're killing us. No, just kidding. <laughs> Boy, did I get text and email after the first service on that one. I mean, let's be honest with you. You usually take better care of yourselves. You don't get stressed out like we do. You're smarter than us. Amen. All right? Or at least it seems so when you say things like, well, that was dumb. Because if we're really honest, we do some stupid things. Now, maybe... <laughs> All right, now you're getting better. Now you're getting better. You know what, what kills me, and that, that is an absolute true statement, right? We do some really dumb things. I hate it when I do some dumb things because I know it's going to haunt me later down the road. And what kills me even more is I give her so much information and so much ammunition because I continue to do dumb things. We're brand new married. Decided to live at home on the farm before we went back to college, so we moved into the farmhouse on the farm. Right next door to my parents, which is now why I say to people, wait five years before you have children and move 400 miles away from your family. 
<clears throat> this is being recorded. This is Pastor Bob Thomas, and he's, then he's not here. <laughs> so we lived next door, and uh, one day I went out to burn the trash. We had a 55-gallon drum just outside the house there, and there was a little window in the kitchen that you could look out and watch. And Connie was watching her brand-new husband go out and burn the trash. What a manly thing to do. So I filled that thing full. You know how we always save it to the end and all kinds of junk. Filled that 55-gallon drum full and thought I'd just throw some firecrackers and matches in there and watch it go. And, you know, nothing was working. So I went down to the garage, what every guy does, right? You get a coffee can full of gasoline. You bring it up and pour it all over that. And then you wait for a second and you wait back and you throw some matches and firecrackers. I thought, this is going to be so cool. Had no idea she's washing out the window. <laughs> it's going to be so cool. So nothing, nothing, not a one of them was working. So I finally went over to the barrel, lit the whole pack, and just dropped it in there. Only to know that that thing shot up out of there like a rocket. She's looking out the window thinking, two months and he's already gone. <laughs> I mean, since the hair, everything, I mean, it literally went up like a rocket. In my second church, Beaverdale, PA, it's got this... Uh, unusual set of uh, roads that went up where the old parsonage was and the old church was and went like this, up like this, straight across one street and up the other. And I thought, this is really going to be cool. I got my 750 Honda and, you know, four pipes. I'm just going to go up and see if I can jump this road. It worked. It was awesome. So one day we had a singing group from Nyack College there, and I said to one of the girls, you want to take a, Harley, or a motorcycle ride? That was before I was, uh, had a Harley. I, was, I hadn't been in my right mind at that point, so I was still running the Honda. So she said, absolutely. So we're riding up and down. I said, you want to do a jump? She said, sure. So I went over that street, up that thing, lifted off of one street to the next street. Never in my life had I had anybody on the back. So this thing just went like this. Just like you see in the movies or TV, it just lifted up off, went clear across that road, down to the other side, set that back wheel down, front wheel down, straight up the road. She said, you're amazing. I said, no, I'm stupid. <laughs> Remember that street, Virg? Virgil from there. I never, I'm telling you what, kills me how much ammunition we give you by all the dumb things we do. I can't tell you how many more widows I know than widowers. And some of you really don't know what to do now that your husband is gone. You need to understand that your value is not defined by your marital status, but who you are in Christ and how he can use you in remarkable ways, even if you're single. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 affirms and even encourages singleness. If that's where you are at this stage of your life, celebrate it. One of the most incredible stories I literally couldn't put the book down was the story of Corey Ten Boone and her family. I read the story, I've read the book, I've seen the movie, but it's the story of how her family risked their lives to rescue their Jewish neighbors when the Nazis occupied Holland. Her story is in the movie and the book Hiding Place. Their faith was everything to them, even in the midst of some of the most horrific circumstances anyone could ever imagine. God used them in remarkable ways, yet neither her nor her sister Betsy ever were married and ever were moms. What's fascinating when you read the story is that Corey's sister, Betsy, is the one with the remarkable faith, even though Corey is the one we talk about the most. They were treated worse than animals. No one in their right mind would treat a human being like the Jewish people were and those who supported them. A sad part of what we know in the world around us is many of that, much of that still goes on in places in Africa and Syria. 
I continued to read the book, and I came across one story that I'd heard Eric share on the radio program that I'd listened to. It was a story of them being moved into a barracks that was supposed to hold 400 that had over 1,400 in it. It was foul-smelling, overrunning toilets, no beds, wooden structures stacked three feet high and three high, wedged side by side so much you could hardly get through them. And the straw on top of them were rancid with swarming fleas, and he said, lice. Corey was horrified, but Betsy responded in her usual way. One day she said to Corey after reading this verse in Scripture that says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus in your life. She said, Corey, we need to thank God even for the fleas and the lice. Corey said, There is no way I'm going to do that. And she continued to ask her, and finally they did. Every day at 4 a.m., they get up, went a mile and a half on a walk, worked in a factory for 11 hours, and every single night, Betsy and Corey held worship services by a single light bulb. What they found odd is that the entire time they were leading these worship services, with all the horrific treatment they'd had, not one guard ever tried to stop them or ever came near where they were. Finally, one day, Betsy asked the supervisor to come. She had a simple question, and he said, absolutely not. She said, why? We're not going in there at all. Why? Because of the fleas. Betsy said, God, you've got to be kidding. And Corey said, I can't believe it. Even because of the fleas. She writes in a book, In the Sanctuary of God's Fleas, Betsy and I ministered the word of God to these women in that room. We sat beside their deathbed. It became the doorway to heaven. We watched the women who had lost everything grow richer and richer in hope. She said, I couldn't believe it when I heard the story. And I remembered Betsy saying, we need to even thank God for the fleas. She then came out of prison and ministered in a number of different ways, in a number of different contexts. There was one moment that really defined her. When after she was done sharing her story, an individual walked up to her that she recognized and said, Fraulein, Fraulein, I need to ask you a question. She knew it was one of the guards that had been in that prison. He said, what is it? He said, I need you to forgive me. He said, I found faith in Christ. I've become a Christian. I know God's forgiven me of all the cruel things that I've done, but I really need you to forgive me. She stood there beside that former SS man, and she remembered that forgiveness was an act of the will, not an emotion. And she knew she couldn't do it on her own, so she said, Jesus, will you help me? So he said, I put out my hand, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into my joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being as we both stood there in tears. I forgive you with all my heart, she said. For a long moment, we stood there holding each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I never knew God's love as intensely as I did then. I have absolutely no idea how bad some of your circumstances are. I have no idea what some of you have lived through or are living through now. But every once in a while, we need to read a story like this to help us keep our circumstances and our lives in perspective. I know I did. There's absolutely nothing going on in your life right now that God isn't aware of. And if you allow him, he may use you to influence the life of somebody else who's facing incredibly difficult circumstances in their marriage, their family, 
in their employment or in their life. Even if you don't have the standout personality like Corey did, God may still use you like the Betsy's in touching the lives of the people around you forever. In the book of Esther, you'll find a girl chosen simply because of her looks. And when you look at that story from that vantage point, it would easily be able to say, see, looks matter. They really matter. It is all about the right look. But if that's all you see, you completely miss the value of her story. In her case, she stood easily in a place where she could have taken advantage of all of that, but instead, she took an enormous risk, even of her own life, for the benefit of others. And she was constantly willing to listen to godly advice, which you'll hear next Sunday morning. Some people were really blessed with remarkable gifts and talents, but instead of using them for the benefit of others, they helped themselves to all they can get out of life. I mean, seriously, look at the stories of so many remarkable athletes with unbelievable gifts and talents who throw it all away with some of the stupidest choices. Which is why, as I was writing next Sunday's sermon on choices and decisions, I really wanted to share it with you. The list of great models is all over Scripture. Deborah was willing to lead the nation of Israel when the men of her life backed away. God may be calling you to step out of your comfort zone even when somebody else isn't willing to fulfill it. Maybe he's asking you. When you hear Eric Metaxas tell Rosa Parks' story, you see another remarkable lady. You see her standing up for her rights against that negative treatment of African Americans. In her day when she just simply wanted a seat in a bus and was asked to get up and move and give it to somebody else. What's fascinating is I heard him share and I read her story is she stood up for her rights. What you don't hear is her demanding her rights. Fascinating difference. Her godly attitude shined consistently all through her life. 1990, she was invited to be a part of the welcoming committee for Nelson Mandela. 94, she went to Sweden to accept the Rosa Parks Peace Prize. 96, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. 99, the Congressional Gold Medal. Time Magazine says she's one of the most influential women of the 21st century, of the 20th century. She died in 2005. Her coffin was laid in honor at the Capitol Rotunda, the very first woman to be granted this honor. She just simply lived out her faith, stood up for her rights, didn't demand them, and lived it every day of her life. So ladies, celebrate who you are. Celebrate where God has placed you. Celebrate what he's called you to be and even celebrate the work he still may be doing in you or has to do in you because it says he's still working. And today on this day, we celebrate you as well. Gentlemen, give these ladies a round of applause. <laughs> ladies, I want you to stand. Every lady in the room, every lady in the room, would you stand? Oh, you really do outnumber us. God, I look around this room and after all of these years, I see some people that I've had such a wonderful time with, doing life with, relationships, dedicating their children, burying their husbands, being a part of their lives, watching their consistency and their faithfulness, listening to their encouragement, reading their emails, understanding their love and their grace that has spilled out all over Community Alliance Church. 
So God, with this day on this day, would you bless them in amazing ways? Some are in really tough circumstances. Some have way more questions than answers. I pray, oh God, in the name of Jesus, that you will continue to use them in remarkable ways. No one may never, ever tell or understand or share their story like we've shared this morning. They all have a story. And I'm so grateful that I can be a part of a godly mom and have an incredibly godly wife, two godly children who now are moms and love their husbands and love their families. I am so blessed. There's a lot here this morning who just struggle with a day like this for a variety of reasons. And I pray, oh God, that each one of them as women will understand their value in your sight as the women of God that you designed them to be. And they'll walk out of here with a smile on their face and a determination to serve you in whatever situation and capacity you put them in. So bless them, we pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.